From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Don Verbrigge from Jaffle. Don, it's really nice to have you on. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So tell me a bit about yourself and about your company. Yeah, so I founded this company, Jotful, back in 2017. And it is a software business that makes websites for very small businesses. So really micro businesses. Think companies with five or fewer employees. That's our our bread and butter. Most of our customers fall into sort of the general bucket of professional services. So think independent management consultants, one to two person law firms, life coaches. We have a lot of life coaches as customers. And then the rest of them are more traditional main street style small businesses like yoga studios and beauty salons and so forth. And the the challenge that they all face before Jaffel is that they needed a website, obviously, (laughs) but... If they tried to build their own website using website builder software, some of that off the shelf DIY software, most of them just felt really intimidated by that process. It was so daunting because it requires these sort of technical marketing and design skills that very few people have all of. And so the the other alternative was that they could hire a designer or an agency to build a website for them. But for these micro businesses paying a few thousand dollars, and that's generally what they're being quoted, $5,000 or more, is just completely not possible. It's not, it's just not in the budget. So what we do at Jotful is we build the website for them. And then we co-maintain it with them. So when they need to make changes, they can make small changes themselves using this inline editor that we have. And then for bigger changes, like adding a new page, they can just send us an email and we take care of it for them. So they get this, they get somebody to build it for them. And then they get the peace of mind that it's always going to be looked after and they're going to be able to manage it. And we do that starting at $59 a month. So it's a steal. That's really cool. It's a cool approach. And when I visited your website and learned about your Mm -hmm. company and your brand, It was obvious you have a background in marketing and branding. For those listening, you have a very vibrant uh, color palette and really just this cool branding. Tell me a bit about your background in marketing and Mm -hmm. and all that. So I didn't start in marketing. I actually studied as a graphic designer. So I went to art school. I have a fine arts degree. And I started as a graphic designer. And at one point I realized, wait a minute, most of the decisions about my design are being made by marketers maybe I'd rather be a marketer. So I, I ended up switching literally over, over a weekend and went into marketing communications. It became the client of what I had previously been as a designer. So I went into marketing and worked as a marketer for a number of years, went to business school, knowing that I wanted to start my own business at some point. And that business school gave me the opportunity to learn more about other areas of a business like finance and operations, the kinds of things that they don't usually that a marketer or especially one with a graphic design background dabble in in their spare time. So I went to business school and after business school, I eventually after some time started my first business. But yeah, you're right. Um, Jotful is has from the very beginning been pretty marketing influenced because that's my background and I'm the founder for sure. And so it leads to things like Lots of deliberation over what the colors should be. Our brand colors are red, orange, and fuchsia. Nobody puts those colors together, but they're really bright. They're really friendly. They're really exciting. They're really engaging and uh, memorable, which is what we were aiming for. 
Totally. That's really cool. So obviously this past year has been quite interesting to say the mm-hmm. least with everything going on. And this next year was uncertain. What has it been like for you guys in this space? Yeah. So obviously this year looked nothing like we had imagined it would look when we set out at the beginning of the year. We basically scrapped everything, but by March it started over. For the business, for our business itself, the obvious big change is that we moved from working together in an office to all working at home. And so we experienced a lot of the challenges that I'm sure people listening have also experienced. Before our customers, it's been this really really wild ride because our customers are, again, these micro businesses and outside of the travel industry and maybe the restaurant industry, like there are very few businesses that have been impacted as heavily as these micro businesses. And so it's, it's meant a number of things. First of all, those that were not yet online did not yet have a website, all of a sudden rushed to get one mm-hmm. because They needed that online presence in a way that they maybe had been able to get by without it for a while. And when you're busy running your business, even though you know that you should probably build a website and get get an online presence, it's not really, it's somehow never the top priority, but the pandemic made it a high priority. So we saw this rush in April and May of customers coming in. We also saw a lot of our existing customers make pivots. So a great example of this is a customer of ours that is a chicken farmer and they sold their chickens to restaurants, but that whole supply line just disappeared overnight when all Mm. of the restaurants closed down. And so they're really creative and they said, you know what, let's start a second business where we're selling bone broth because we know that chicken broth is really good for the immune system and everybody's very concerned about their immune system in a pandemic. And so they quickly spun up a second website specifically for chicken broth. So we're seeing a lot of really clever pivots like that or or changes. And then we're also seeing customers of ours or just generally micro businesses using their website in ways that they never did before. So using it more as a communication tool with their customers, a lot of them have added alert bars across the top, especially to communicate things like their status, are they open or closed or are they accepting online orders and so forth. And then a lot of them have expanded their online capabilities to include things like appointment booking, commerce, all these kinds of things. So we're really seeing I think last year, sometimes we would talk to, especially the investor community, and they would say, oh, but do these micro businesses really need a website? Do they really Mm. need an online presence? And that's just not even a question anymore. Everybody knows they need it. They know they need it. The investors know they need it. So that's definitely what we're seeing. We're also seeing from our micro businesses that they're just getting customers in different ways than they used to before. There used to be a huge focus on networking, right? Local networking. A lot of that is just not as effective anymore. They are moving to, say, Zoom networking or video call networking, and it's just not producing the same kinds of results as that in-person networking did. And -hmm. I could tell you, my colleague who does our sales says she goes to these meetings and that they're just just drained of the energy that you used to get when you were in the room with people. that, That personal connection is really missing, which is making networking much less effective than it used to be, which is really unfortunate because a lot of micro businesses really relied on networking for for their marketing and sales. We're also seeing that anything event related. So trade shows, conferences, places where they used to set up a booth or have a speaking opportunity, all of that obviously is 
either not happening or it's happening virtual and people are finding that it's just not um, as effective. But again, we're seeing some really interesting innovation there. So to take, for example, a customer of ours that has a bridal shop, the bridal industry always hosts these bridal events, right? Where all of the new brides come and they get to meet not only wedding dress suppliers, but also DJs and cake decorators and photographers. Like these are very popular events for brides to attend. Once they were closed down, we're seeing those start to go to Facebook or other live platforms. So we're just seeing a lot of really interesting innovation in marketing from micro businesses who historically are not thought of maybe as being very innovative when it comes to marketing. Very interesting. So obviously you've seen a lot of these changes within your customer base. What are some pivots that you guys have made to address a lot of these changes? Yeah, so right away, we needed to invest more heavily in customer support. Because Mm. what happens is once customers start working with us, we co-maintain, right? So some of the changes they can make themselves, others we make for them. But they start coming to us with all of these (laughs) different ideas, all these things they want to do. And so we needed to invest more in customer support in order to service them through that time. So that's absolutely something that we saw. We also needed to invest more in our Jotful community. So Jotful community is really this ecosystem of creative professionals who provide complementary services for our customers. What we like to say that at Jotful, we take the bricks, we take your content, so your images and your text, and we build the house for you. We make the website for you, but we don't create those bricks. So we don't, the text for the website, we're not copywriters. We don't create the the designs if you need a logo. We don't take the photography, none of that. But we have more than 1,300 people across the U.S. that we make referrals to who can help with those things, including locally, and who also make referrals into us when their customers need a website. So we ended up really reinvesting in that in, in a couple of ways. One is that a lot of the people in Jotful community suddenly found themselves without work. And this was especially true for the photographers in the community who were not working remotely. They were actually going out. And so they had to really change their routine a lot where they were going outdoor shoots only, masks, distancing, all of that. And and people were a little bit shy about having photography done for a while. And so we've reinvested in that community by finding ways to connect them with our customers earlier during the, the sales process. Very cool. So you're doing something very interesting in this space. And as you're telling me about how your company works, it sounds like instead of just charging people for websites, it's all up front, it's thousands of dollars. You're charging uh, your customers by the month and it's Mm -hmm. a lower amount. It's more affordable. Tell me more about the thought process behind doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So we call it made together. We call it a made together website because it's not, you're not on your own the way you are with DIY and do it yourself. And you're not relying on somebody else to do it all for you, which makes it more affordable. So that's what we call it made together website. I, this idea came out of actually conversations with my mother. So because I had this background in graphic design, And then I went to business school and I know marketing that I had become the de facto website designer for my mother's bridal shop and my uncle's salon. Basically, I was just the free website design provider for people that I knew, which is normal. Anybody in my position would end up doing that kind of stuff. But it just dawned on me, and this is 2017 at the time, that it was crazy 
that with all of these software tools out there, all these DIY software tools out there, that they were just not solving the problem of these micro business owners. A lot of those tools are great for, say, junior marketers or business owners who have a little bit of design expertise or some online marketing expertise, but for the vast majority of them, it wasn't solving their problems. But those companies are so software focused that they weren't willing to make that extra, take that extra step you need to take in order to win over these customers who need a helping hand and need some more service and need somebody to actually do the build for them. We often say that our websites include all the marketing best practices baked right in because our customers don't want to go out and have to learn everything about online marketing. They'd rather just go to somebody who can say, look, you need to have a call to action above the fold on your website. <laughs> let's talk about what you want people to do on your website. And then let's make sure we have a call to action that reflects that. And you don't need to pay an agency thousands of dollars to have a, an effective call to action. Nice. So how do you go about building these relationships with micro businesses? You're, you're telling me a bit about the video stuff you're doing, podcast stuff you're doing. Uh, tell me more about that. Yeah. Oh, this is a, this is a whole topic all of its own, Brad. When we first, Jotful is partially investor funded. And when we first went out and started talking to investors, this was one of their, their big concerns, as well as churn, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But one of their big concerns was micro businesses are just, it's just a highly fragmented market. There's no one conference you're going to go to and talk to all of the companies across the U.S. with fewer than five employees, because, of course, they're just they're highly fragmented. They're everywhere. They're not necessarily very well connected. And so this has been an extremely long process. And what we've learned over time is that a lot of our we started at one point trying to look at it from an industry perspective. We thought, OK, if we go to companies in this industry and we tried bridal shops where we started. We tried salons. We tried law firms, a whole bunch of them. We thought well, if we go to this industry, maybe we can get a niche there and start there and build from that. And then we ultimately realized that the niche we need to go after was actually size-based. So fewer than five employees, as mm. opposed to being industry-focused, which solves our messaging issues, right? Like we say the same things to all companies with fewer than five employees, but it doesn't solve the, the challenge of how do you find these companies? So one of the things that we've been doing that's been really effective lately is, yeah, you, YouTube marketing. So creating a lot of video content, we create a ton of educational content. So we send out a weekly email called Monday Morning Marketing, which is usually like five quick tips. And a lot of people read it and say, we look for things we can implement this week. And so they're just like constantly evolving and growing with this email. We also do this now monthly video series and podcast, which is where we interview somebody who's a specialist in a particular area. So we had somebody who did SEO, for example, on our last one. So we always bring in a specialist. And then, yeah, this video content is really complementary to it. It's also very educational. It's about marketing in general, as opposed to the website per se. But the website is obviously the core of all your online marketing initiatives. That's really cool. So really, it sounds like your strategy is to just get a lot of educational content out there, educate these micro businesses around maybe things that they could be doing to improve their own sales and marketing and, and then look to you as the industry expert. Yeah. And you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of low, no trust, right? 
you have to help people first of all know that you exist like you which is a process over time it's akin to dating you're not going to go out on a first date and ask somebody to marry you you're going to talk to them for a while and that's what the education that's what our educational content accomplishes for us and then trust which is achieved through the educational content and then also the process of of working with us and this podcast is all about creating these lifelong relationships and i'm strongly believe that begins in marketing. It doesn't begin in customer support. It doesn't begin after the sale. It begins pre-sale in marketing, establishing those relationships early and making sure that you're making promises that your team can deliver on. Very cool. So it sounds like you've really figured out who your customer is and then how to reach them. What was the greatest challenge in, in doing all of that? And maybe what is your greatest challenge as you look ahead towards the future as well. Yeah. So our greatest challenge in doing all of that was coming up with new ideas to test all the time. Mm. So what we would do is we would run a series of experiments. It all comes down to, do you know who the audience is and where you can find them? What offer are you presenting to them? And how are you presenting it? So what channel are you, are you presenting it through? And really you have to figure out how you can make all of those things work. And so it's a series of, it's a series of experiments. I'll give, you, I'll give you a great example. One morning I woke up and we had dozens of sales appointments booked starting at 4 a.m. overnight. I woke up and there were dozens and I thought, oh, great. Our website has been hacked. Our form has been hacked. <laughs> because <laughs> this makes no sense. Yeah. And so I, I started looking into these appointments. And I realized, no, that there's nothing obviously hacked here. These look like legitimate appointments. And it was a weekend. It was, it was a Saturday morning, but I called my colleague and left her a message. As soon as you get up, we need to sort, sort this out. So when she got up, she started calling some of these people. And we learned that what happened is that an influencer, some micro-influencer had posted somewhere that we give away free websites, which is not true. We don't give websites for free. But by the time I turned off that form at noon, we had 150 sales appointments booked between wow. 4am and noon. And so we were scrambling like crazy to talk to these people. And we ended up taking a lot of those sales calls. None of them ended up becoming customers. We said, okay, wrong audience. Very interesting offer. Apparently a free website is going to get you a lot of sales calls right away. That's obviously we, we can't do free websites forever, but it really gets you thinking, how can free be used as a marketing incentive or a way to get people in the door? And then in terms of channel micro-influencers, right? So it's a process of learning, figuring out what works, what doesn't work, taking the things that do work in this case, the idea of free or micro-influencers and see if there's anything you can do to build on that. So a lot of our challenge over the last, and this has really been about two, two and a half years that we, we worked on this, is figuring out how do we get all of those things to, to line up. Our challenge going forward and our, our big challenge this year is going to be, okay, now that we have those things, we have this fire and we're starting to see it really grow, how do we scale the organization to accommodate that? So how do we, especially under the current conditions where we're all working from home, how do we hire and onboard people and how do we make them work in our culture and how do we scale this organization? So that's going to be a lot of my focus in 2021. Totally. And you mentioned churn as well. Tell me a bit more about that and what you've seen there. Yeah. So 
I should first say that with our small business market, there is an expectation that the churn rate will be quite high. If you sell to enterprise companies, once you win that deal, that contract, you, you don't lose many of them, right? Like the churn rate is very low, which is why investors love to invest in software companies that serve really large accounts. They're more skeptical about software companies that serve companies, the software companies that serve businesses the size of our customers because the churn rate is so high. So typically you're looking at around four to 5% of your customer base will churn or cancel their account every single month. And the number one driver of churn in the small business market is the small business going out of business. It's just a fact of the matter. And that's the biggest part of the reason why there's so much more churn in this market. There's always been a lot of questions around churn and it's something that we've tracked from the very beginning. So uh, we recently recorded our churn for 2021 and we averaged 1.4% monthly customer churn. Wow. And like I said, you should normally expect somewhere between four to five, one to 4.4% monthly customer churn in a pandemic that disproportionately affected micro businesses. So how is it that, that we accomplished that? Obviously we have a really astonishing customer team and we were not only very reactive to what our customers need in the pandemic, but also proactive in using our educational channels to give them information so that they could be more effective and just to help them through this, this difficult time. It's also the case that the, the website, as I mentioned before, has not only become necessary or un understandably necessary, but essential. It's clearly one of the last things you turn off before you close your business, right? Like one of the, like the light switch that you turn off is, is your website. If you don't have a physical presence anymore, it becomes your presence, right? So just this, how critical the website has become for micro businesses, but it's also a testament to getting the right customers in the first place. And this is where I think it really speaks to this idea of lifelong customers. We're really focused on making sure during the sales process that we are not only qualifying people, but very actively disqualifying people who won't be a good fit for Jotful. And we do have criteria for that, but ultimately you can sum up all those criteria by saying, we're really looking for businesses who will be grateful, who will mm -hmm. be grateful working with us, who will be happy to work with us, who six months down the road will say, wow, I think that was a good decision, right? Like for us, if we can recognize that person is likely to be grateful, then we know that it's going to be a good customer for us, that they're less likely to churn. They're just more likely to be satisfied. We measure that through net promoter score. So yeah, a churn is really important for our business and it really starts at the beginning. Love it. That's awesome. What advice would you give to other sales and marketing leaders in terms of building those lifelong customer relationships? Mm -hmm. So I started to talk about it as a snowball. You're probably familiar with the snowball effect, right? Where, and I'm from a very cold place in the upper peninsula of Michigan, where we have tons and tons of snow. So it's very easy for me to imagine this, but if you take a snowball and you have good packing snow and you roll it, the, the more you roll it, the bigger it gets, right? Because that surface area attaches to more snow and gets bigger. So then there's more surface area and at the next revolution, it gets even bigger and so forth. And I think that you have to think of your, your business that way. And we try to practice what I call snowball marketing, which is finding people in the beginning who are gonna be additive to what we have 
And then because we look for people who are grateful, we'll be likely to refer us out to other people because it's that process of referring you out to other people and really becoming an advocate for your company that you're able to grow that, that snowball over time and get that snowball effect that comes through, that comes through word of mouth, right? That snowball all comes from word of mouth. When you talk about virality, which is a concept marketers have known about for a long time, but the whole country is very well aware of how virality works now. It's basically that when one person gets infected or becomes a customer or satisfied customer, that they're telling two more people and they're telling two more people. And then you get this, this viral snowball effect. So I like to encourage uh, people to think about customer success from the very first step, finding the right audience through your marketing campaigns in the first place, through the sales process, making sure that you are qualifying and disqualifying appropriately so that you're getting customers who are likely to be grateful. And then, and this is critical because it can all fail right there. If you don't, after the sale, deliver on the promises that you made during your marketing. And every time I hear somebody say something like, oh, that's just marketing, it makes me cringe because it means that person has too often experienced a service or a product that did not meet the promises that they were told during the, the pre-sale process. So I encourage you to promise appropriately and then, and then deliver on those promises. That's awesome. Hey, thanks so much for joining, Don. This is awesome and it was really great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Take care.